Our scripture reading for today is from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the, also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire! And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace this is the word of the lord it is absolutely true and given to us in love good morning a gift uh, to preach the Word of God this morning with you all. Um, as I said last time, um, one of the things that we have really appreciated uh, about being here at Hope uh, since around February with you all is we are so encouraged by Christ and all of you. Um, our family's been very blessed by being here and this becoming our, our church family. So thank you. And let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are good and your steadfast love endures forever and you are faithful to all generations. Lord, help us to remember that this morning. Lord, all the power rests uh, with you. Spirit, the power rests with you. Rests with your word. I am just a man. Lord, help us all. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So I think it was uh, a basketball game during my sophomore year of high school. And I don't remember the game specifically, uh, but after the game, my dad came up to me, and the first thing he said to me was, Andy, you are cussing up a storm out there. And I, I mean, I kind of knew that I cussed a ton while I was playing basketball. Um, but when somebody who's sitting in the stands can hear me cussing, um, I mean, when I put up a shot and it wouldn't go in, there goes a word. You know, when I'd make a mistake, there goes a word. Um, you know, and there's a sense in which uh, I realized that day, I'm like, I am not noticing something that's going on inside of me. And it's coming out of me, and people can hear it and see it. And that was very convicting to me. And I'm, I'm really thankful. I don't remember the process of everything at some level, but somehow the Lord started something in me um, to start going away from having that kind of attitude that would lead. It's still not like I don't struggle with my attitude in playing basketball. There, there's a sense in which uh, you want to be God out there in the sense of my shot didn't fall. Why not? Every shot should fall. <laughs> and that's like me wanting to play God as if I can execute everything perfectly. So it's not that those things still aren't in me, that I still have to pray and ask God for help with me. But uh, this idea of the tongue and, and my dad saying, you're cussing up a storm out there. Our tongues can get out of control so easily and quickly, can't they? And James, the same way my dad spoke very plain to me after that game that day, James is going to speak very plainly to us about our tongues. That's one of the things we appreciate about the book of James, right? Is that he just speaks very plainly to us. And I love the Holy Spirit working through James to speak like that. So before we jump into some things uh, specifically about the tongue, let's just remind ourselves of the context in which we've been uh, approaching this passage in James. Remember, it starts out with us, how to live in the midst of trials and the testing of our faith. So we have to kind of think of everything that James says after that, like this is in the midst of what it's like to live in the midst of trials and testing. Also, he's encouraged us a few times already to seek the wisdom of God, to seek wisdom, to ask God for wisdom. And he's also uh, kind of led us into that, that um, conviction of not only hearing the word, but doing the word, right? And then uh, the last, last week, we were definitely challenged with faith without works is dead. That we are justified by our faith before God. There are no works that we can do to earn our salvation. But it just doesn't make sense that if we say we know and love Jesus, that there isn't something then that's going to be flowing out of us, right? That there's going to be things that are Christ-like flowing out of us. So it would make sense. Faith without works is dead. So now we approach chapter 3, 
and we are confronted with the works of the tongue and what those should be like and not be like. So he starts out, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So there is a a sense in which he's speaking specifically to teachers, but then he opens it up right away more broadly. We all stumble in many ways, right? Anybody here want to claim that they don't stumble in many ways? Raise your hand right now. Okay. All right. No hands. Okay. All right. So we're, we're all agreeing then that we're in this here with James, right? We're in this here. But there is something about when you teach, if, if you have been called to teach God's people, and here there's a big arrow over the top of me right now, right? Okay. Uh, so if, we, if you've been called to teach God's people, there's a sense in which, okay, you're using your mouth to share about the excellencies of God to share about the gospel. And so if there is a sense in which also my mouth is not doing good things, like there's some hypocrisy in that. There's a sense of a a weightiness of responsibility that goes along with that. Now, uh, my family can attest to you right now, and I can attest to you that my mouth is not perfect. Uh, So at some level... Just like all of us, no matter what we're called to do, we are saying to ourselves, we need Jesus, right? Like I, as a teacher, someone who's called to teach God's people, I need the Lord. Not only in my salvation, but in my sanctification, that he continues to work on my mind and heart. I need him today. I will continue to need him uh, from now into eternity. So, there is a responsibility, though, with teaching. So we should not enter into something like that lightly, and that's what he's, he's warning against at some level. And there's other passages in Scripture that attest to that. Something else, too, um, some roles in life uh, automatically have us in a teaching position, whether you're called to teach God's people more broadly or not. If you are a parent or a grandparent, you are automatically in a role of teaching. So it matters very much what your tongue is doing in your home and in other places. And if we do struggle in our home with our speech, which we all do, then at the very least, we need to have a sense of brokenness about us in regards to that that we need to display a sense of humility about that, that we need to go to people when we say something to them, a a word that's not good, a tone that's not good. We need to go to them and ask for forgiveness because we certainly don't want to put on a a show of, uh, I can act like this, I can say these things, and it's okay. I don't have to ask for forgiveness about these things. Our children will pick up on that like that. And that's not good. So we need to be broken as parents before our kids as we teach them and lead them. And we need to ask the Lord to help us to see that sin, to see those things so that we can be broken before them. In verses 3 through 8, 
we start to get these great word pictures, don't we? If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. We love James's word pictures, don't we? That's another thing we come to appreciate about him. And so in verses 3 through 5, we just get this, this simple message of a small thing with great power. Just like a bit in the mouth of a horse guides the horse. A gigantic horse can be guided by a small thing in their mouth. A ship can turn in different directions because of a small rudder. The tongue is the same thing. It's a small thing in our mouth, and yet it can do so much, right? And then in verses 6 through 8, we get a sense of the vastness of its reach, its power and its reach. We see things like uh, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, we just get this vastness, even in the, the things that we're, it's compared to. Uh, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The vastness of what it reaches to, right? And I know that in a room this size with this many people, uh, we can remember how our tongues have created a vastness of destruction. And that maybe it's been done to us too. We can think of the vastness. You know, we think about... um, Maybe if we had a parent who was unkind in how they talked to us, abusive in how they talked to us, we are going to be dealing with that at some level for the rest of our lives. It's hard. Like, the Lord can set us free from that, but it's still, like, in us because it's so powerful. The tongue is so powerful. Other word pictures, uh, Jeremiah has one in Jeremiah 9 that uh, the tongue is like a deadly arrow. It's like you're firing the thing out. Right? Gary Kesters, my dad, I already referenced him. He said that the tongue is like a storm, right? You're cussing up a storm, Andy. In our house, I sometimes um, say that people might be going on a rampage through our house by how they're talking. <laughs> you know, um, makes me think of that video game rampage where the whole point was you were these monsters and you would, uh, the, whoever could destroy the buildings the most was the, was the winner. So when you're on a rampage with your tongue, it's like you're just seeing the people you live with or maybe the people you work with. You say, I know that person. Okay, this is maybe, you're not thinking through this all the way. This is just what happens, right? I know that person. I know exactly what gets to them. I'll get them. 
with my tongue right now. Oh, here's another person right over here. You know, you just go on this rampage. I know them. I mean, this is what goes, I mean, in our house, we have eight people. Okay. So you just think if someone in their mind and their heart is ready to go on a rampage, there's plenty of people to see very quickly and you know them, you can dig right into them very quickly. So the tongue can be unleashed on a rampage. Uh, in a Bible study book that I have on the book of James, it just gave a list of some different things about uh, the tongue, sins of the tongue. I'm just going to list them off for you just to refresh us. <laughs> All the damage that can be done, right? Oh, gosh, Andy, I don't know if I want to hear this, right? Bragging, boasting, lying, flattering, slandering, gossiping, verbally abusing others, cursing, making off-color remarks, talking behind another's back, passing on rumors, shading the truth, arguing, yelling, being sarcastic or cutting, and teaching questionable truths. But we also know, you know, you have that list right there, and we all find ourselves in that list. We find ourselves in that list. We also know it's not just those things, those things that would come out of our mouth specifically, but we also know about our tones, that our tones can be destructive. It's captured a little bit in that list. Just take this uh, from earlier in James. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sometimes we can be saying words that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they can be driven by anger. And that can be what comes out of us. What's going on in here comes out of here, right? Even in a tone. Then in Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So sometimes we can be saying things that, you know, the words themselves might not be that bad, but we can have a grumbling heart, a complaining heart, disputing heart. Maybe we, we take offense at things very easily and we're ready to dispute. That can be part of what's going on in our hearts that then comes out of here. And so then we're ready to react and dispute with people. Many times because we're so eas- easily offended, excuse me. All this is very heavy. This is a lot. But James really takes us to the heart of the matter in verses 9 and 10. In referencing the tongue, he says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So he, he kind of boils it down to we can be praising the Lord with our tongue, right? And then we leave praising the Lord. And in the car ride home, 
were cursing people made in his likeness. Made in the image of God. Isn't this crazy about us? It's crazy how we do that. We just don't think about it very often. It just comes out of us very quickly. We don't make the connection with God is so great and wonderful. He has made these people in my life in his image. And they deserve great care and thoughtfulness from me. Because they are made in the image of God. And James has been kind of good at this already, right? Exposing some hypocrisies. This was um, when Michael and I were talking about this Sunday and preparing for the worship service. This is one thing that we kind of discovered together and, and we're talking through. Like, there's these places where James has been exposing our hypocrisies. In, in chapter 2, remember, he says, um, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you, then, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? He's exposing that hypocrisy. What's going on in our hearts? And then later on in chapter 2, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And then he says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So there's a sense of that in this too. That if we're praising the Lord with our tongue, we should be treating the people made in his likeness differently with our tongue as well. Well, in in verses 11 and 12, he kind of takes us to the source of all this stuff. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And this is just James pulling from similar things, you know, similar ideas that Jesus has pointed us to. Remember in Matthew 15, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. And in Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's the summary right there. Some translations say out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's it right there, isn't it? What's going on in here will come out of here. That's it. So if there's good things going on in here, good words and good tone will come out of here. Right? So how did we get to where we are in our sinful tones and our sinful words? How did we get there? 
How are we where we're at right now? What has been going on in our hearts? Well, I think it can be boiled down to a couple different things. What has been done to us by others is part of what cultivates our hearts. Right? If we have examples of people around us that we're living in the midst of in our home and our workplaces, if we have those examples, that's a tremendous battle to fight against, isn't it? It's a tremendous battle. Because in the end, we know that the sin that we commit, even if someone gave us a bad example, the sin that we commit is still 100% on us right? We're 100% responsible for the sins that we do. But at the same time, when we have bad examples around us, boy, it can be a battle to resist those examples, to not carry on in those same things. So if you're in a workplace where, man, the, the language is vulgar, people just getting angry at each other, that can be a tough thing to battle against in the sense of then when you go home or when you're involved with those same people that you're not reacting the same way. That in the same way their jokes are vulgar, your mind doesn't go to that vulgarness. Right? That can be hard. And we need to be asking the Lord for help very specifically, asking other Christian brothers and sisters to be praying for us about those situations. Or else it's just going to, it is, it's going to, Stain us. I mean, remember what, what um, James said earlier at the end of chapter 1. When he's talking about what religion is pure. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. So there's a battle to keep ourselves unstained. Because we're going to be in the world. We're going to be. We should be. We need to be, but to remain unstained, that's going to take, a, that's going to take us just relying on the Lord for so much help and getting help from brothers and sisters. So, what has been done to us or around us that has cultivated our hearts? That's part of how did we get to maybe the places that we're struggling with our tongue. But then the, the second part is, what are we doing to cultivate our hearts? What are we doing? What is our diet or intake of things? And I would say especially in our free time. Especially in our free time. What's our diet and our intake of things? Our free time, our entertainment. And I, okay, you might be saying here, all right, Andy's about to go down this road of um, just being real goody two-shoes and, you know, things like, Andy's about to go down this road here. Okay. I am not speaking from experience of goody two-shoeness. Okay. I'm not speaking from that place. I'm speaking from experience. Okay. Of what I know that these things do to me. All right. So, what are we doing to cultivate our hearts? What is our diet and intake? If we are taking in a lot of coarse joking, humor with sexual innuendo, 
examples of cursing in humor and anger, if we take that in as a regular diet and we keep seeking those things to pour into us, when something hits us or rocks us in life, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or when we have an opportunity to sound clever in front of people, to earn points with them, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It'll be there ready to come out. Right? If this is a strong part of our diet, then we will regurgitate it sooner or later. Like a cow, right? How many stomachs do they have? Five, seven, or something like that? I forget. All right, they chew the cud. They chew it. They swallow it. It comes back up. They chew it again. goes back down. Giraffes are like that, too. Have you ever seen that? Giraffes, they chew it. You see it ripple down their neck when they swallow it. And then they regurgitate. It ripples back up. They chew it again. It's awesome to see on a giraffe just the rippling up and down. Okay? If you've never paid attention to that, next time you go to the zoo, watch their neck and they're eating. But that's, what, that's us, right? If we're taking in certain things, it's going to go in. And then sooner or later, something's going to make it come out. So we want to make sure that we're putting in good things. We want to regurgitate good things, right? So, show, I mean, I remember shows that I watched long ago. Ways that it still is in my mind, things that are there. Ways it molded my mind. Like I said, scoring points, points with friends in humor. Uh, cussing when offended or angered. I learned that from things that partially like I took in myself. Well, I am really thankful for the remedy that James gives us here at the end. I'm really thankful for it. And this is the remedy that we've seen already in the book of James. In 13 through 15, or 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the same way that Jake encouraged us a few weeks ago, that, that part when he said to, you know, to grow in godliness and, and true religion, all that, like to look into the wisdom of God, to spend time on it, to meditate on it, to seek the Lord for his wisdom. So remember, we saw that at the beginning of chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And then we saw it a little bit farther here in the hearing and doing the word part. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Look into the things of God. Take those things in. Seek wisdom and pursue after Christ. Be molded by him and his word. 
Be molded by godly believers, by books that are going to point you to Christ, podcasts, sermons, whatever. Take in things that are going to cultivate your heart in good things. And this is probably the biggest thing that I have felt most helped by in my life. Uh, Remember how Christ has treated you. Remember how he speaks about you and about the people around you. That's a good question to ask ourselves and then to find the answer or to be reminded. How has the Lord spoken about me? How has the Lord spoken about the people around me? How has he done that? He speaks, to, he speaks in an encouraging way to you from his word. His kindness, remember his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Remember that all sin is wiped out and nailed to the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whatever offense that somebody might do to us, that's a, a drop in the bucket compared to all the sin that the Lord has forgiven us of. Right? Not to say that that's not significant what a person can do to you, but it's a drop in the bucket. I mean, think about all that the Lord has forgiven us of. He calls you brother and sister and child. So keep putting yourself in positions to be reminded of how Christ speaks to you and about you and about the people around you. Keep putting yourself in those positions. Cultivate those things. Remind yourself of these things. How does he speak about us and others? And how does he treat us and others? And here's, here's some good hope for you, right? The tongue also has the power to do great things for the Lord and for others. Right? Amen to that? Yes. For the Lord, uh, remember, um, we praise him, right? And in the same way that the tongue can be a bad fire, can start a bad fire, it can also start a good fire. Right? Uh, who, I mean, NBA Jam, remember the video game? I, I'm talking two video game references this morning. So Rampage, NBA Jam, right? NBA Jam, remember, you always wanted to get three shots in a row with the guy you were controlling. Because if you made three shots in a row the video game would say, he's on fire. That was a good kind of fire. You wanted to get on fire like that. And in the same way, man, if you start this cultivation and you get on fire in the right way, it's a good fire with your tongue. It's a good fire. To praise the Lord, to tell others about what the Lord has done, Here's a couple of psalms to to send us out. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. May that be so of us. May we tell of his wondrous deeds and mighty acts and tell of his salvation from day to day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us with our tongues. Uh, You are faithful. We are not. We need your help. 
So we're asking for help. We're asking for wisdom. We're asking for uh, meekness and humility so that what flows out of our mouths will come from a meek and humble heart. Please help us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.